0: You know what, I forgot to queue up the intro. Oh. Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing welcome With Fishes life. podcast episode 247. I happen to have forgotten to cue up the intro this week. We've had a lot of stuff going on so I do apologize. <laughs> um, this week we have an episode that we've been wanting to do for, gosh, when did we first talk about this, a month or two ago? About, yeah, yeah, about two months ago. About two months ago. Um, so uh, today's episode is with my friend Aaron Newkirk, who I used to work with at Agro in Oklahoma. And we're going to talk about some things that have happened to him in his life and how his life has changed a lot in the last couple of months. Um, Um, We also have a surprise uh, medical guest that's gonna be joining us as soon as he's able to. Uh, We were hoping he could be here already, but it looks like he's running a little bit behind schedule, but he'll also be uh, here a little bit later on to to help us uh, uh, sort out this uh, quite complicated conversation that we're gonna get into. Um, I wanted to first off uh, preface this episode and just say this is not an anti-vax episode. Um, you know, we both are very much for vaccines. That's how he ended up in the situation that he's in. Uh, I also have most of my own vaccines for traveling abroad to Africa and South America. Um, so we, neither one of us are anti-vaxxers So don't use this for any of that kind of bullshit. Um, that is not representative by either one of us. Uh, that is not what this is about. This episode is going to be about uh, safety of stuff that is currently being pushed on, uh, mostly around the Moderna vaccine and how we've managed to find quite a few people now especially after posting this today, um, uh, that are having severe cannabis related side effects because of the Moderna vaccine specifically, who had been previously infected with the virus, who then got the vaccine. And like him, and he's gonna tell you his story firsthand, what he went through. And then um, we were uh, there's actually a name for it called uh, THC tachycardia, um, which is a direct result of, of some of the stuff that's going on right now. Um, so we're going to talk about that because it isn't being talked about in the cannabis community and people need to be aware of this information um, so that they can make important uh, health decisions. Um, you know, and you should go out there and, and try to get uh, anything that you can to help prevent, you know, protect your local community. Um, doesn't, but you should also use your brain and make sure the science is sound on it and, and the situation that you have with your own medical situation before you go rush and get anything. I don't care what it is. I'm going to talk about that today because it very much relates to the cannabis community as a whole, and it isn't being talked about. Um, so we're gonna hear both from uh, someone with a PhD a little later on, uh, on this. Uh, uh, and uh, and then uh, in the meantime, we're gonna talk to uh, Aaron. So uh, Aaron, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, uh, him, uh, he used to work uh, with me. I used to help uh, manage a farm uh, there and he used to be uh, one of our workers that would help work with the plants in, in the greenhouse and uh, transplant stuff and take clones. and. Um, uh yeah so uh that's how i got to know him and then since then we've become friends and you know we like to hang out together his girlfriend and i and, and my girlfriend and i and the four of us like to go out and hang out and do stuff go to the lake and and we've become friends and then he had a life-changing event happen to him a couple months ago when he was visiting colorado so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then kind of what happened okay what's up guys uh i'm aaron 26
1: years old and uh basically my whole life is Changed. You know, I went from uh, smoking two grams concentrates a day to not smoking anything. I used to uh, host my own cannabis podcast, and since then, I've kind of taken a break from that. But I only got the vaccine because we were going to be traveling to Colorado, and I was told that you have to have it to get on a plane which I later found out that wasn't true. They didn't ask for anything. We went to go board the plane. So everything all started about three days after I got my second shot. Um, Started feeling like this slight twinge in my chest every now and then. And it was after I'd get through through smoking. a couple of days after that is when I really felt it. Uh, I smoked pretty decent sized dab bit, and then a uh, couple minutes later, I started feeling real weird, kind of disoriented. Uh, I got really, really hot, but my skin was ice cold. I was pale white, and I had like this. Terrible pain in my chest on the left side. Um, my arm kind of started to hurt a little bit. I honestly thought I was having a heart attack the first time that happened. And, you know, I went to the ER. I left work immediately, went to the ER, and, uh, you know, they, they really didn't take me seriously. Once I mentioned the marijuana, it was like, okay. And they they basically told me that I was just having a really bad panic attack. So that's, I left the hospital that night with that. and uh, I ended up going back to the hospital, the very next night for the same thing. I didn't think it was a panic attack. So I called a cardiologist here in town and went and saw him. I've done stress tests. Uh, what do you call it? I've had to wear a heart monitor. Pretty much anything they can do to, track, to check my heart, I've, I've done it. He really can't find anything wrong with my heart, but he knows and he saw that it's there. And another thing that has been affected is my blood pressure has always been perfect. And now I'm usually when they test it and I actually have a, a blood pressure monitor at home now too. My blood pressure is always like right in that stage one hypertension, always. And you know, my, my sitting heart rate when I went to the hospital in Colorado was 107 and I was laying on bed. It wasn't that high when I did my stress test on the On the treadmill uh since then i've you know kind of changed how i ate and been exercising a little bit more and i have noticed a little bit of a difference but every day it's still like i feel that twinge in my chest get minor chest pains my heart will start to pound out of nowhere and like i said i check my blood pressure pretty much every day and my blood pressure been going down, but I've also been on blood pressure medication. I also take beta blockers now every day. Um, yeah, and I can't smoke. Every time I've tried to smoke, I've done edibles. I end up going to the hospital every single time. The only thing I've been able to do that i found helps is like I have CBD and CBG flour. Those don't really bother me too much, but it's just I, I'm a concentrator. I don't like the way the burning flower tastes of any
0: sort, so I just haven't smoked at all. And that kind of uh, goes back to what Kevin was saying about it being more attributed to THC that's really the trigger, and I don't really understand the mechanism of it. But it seems to be mainly people that have previously been infected that get vaccinated after being being infected, and then taking higher higher concentrations of THC. In fact, <clears throat> entirely separate from this without the guy even knowing earlier today, I was talking to an investor that I work with on a separate project who lives in Florida. And he uh, is also having heart issues anytime he does concentrates now. He can smoke uh, lower quality flour um, and, and some joints and stuff like that, but he can't smoke dabs at all without his heart just racing um, uh, after getting vaccinated. And you know, there's very clearly something going on here that is affecting people and specifically THC, um, uh, and we don't know what's going on this needs to be researched right it, it, it doesn't mean that if you have not been infected you shouldn't get it it doesn't mean that you know uh, if they come up with a different one later on that doesn't have these side effects that you shouldn't get it it just means that um uh that we need to just understand what the hell is going on here because people are having their lives dramatically affected i mean uh how many episodes did you guys have of your podcast we were on uh, one of the episodes as well in fact
1: uh, we over the second
0: season so probably about
1: 20, 20 episodes or so. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's been rough, dude. I mean, like I said, I'm 26, and I take blood pressure medication every day, and beta blocker, and even my doctor, when he gave me everything, when we were talking, he said that I was the youngest person he's ever seen with this kind of issue. Like he he said that he's seen people be affected buy the vaccine and have similar things. But it said everybody that he's seen was over the age of 50. And I'm not 30. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that I, I I've had a poor diet and I haven't really been the most active with my exercise and everything. But uh I didn't think that it was gonna affect me that way. And I mean I would have never got the vaccine if I'd have known that this is how it was gonna end up being. Because, truth be told, I, did, I didn't have to have it apparently to get on the airplane. So it really did me no good as far as I'm concerned. Um, and see at first I thought maybe it was just VHO products or um, CRC products. So when I went to Colorado, I tried to smoke there too. Um, I went and bought like the best rosin that you could get on the medical side. I had a friend go buy it for me. and The first hit that I took, I felt all right. I mean, I was a little, there was a little bit there but nothing like what it had been. The second hit though, Man, I thought I was gonna die. Like, my heart was just pounding like so hard you could see it. And I went to the hospital up there and talked to a doctor, and she said the same thing that the doctor here said. And I said I just thought it was from like you know residuals left over or dirty product or something. But after a little bit more research on it. You
0: know, it's, and you were able to find other people that have had your issue. Why don't you talk about that? Because I think, again, this is, this, when you told me this, this was wholly new and scary news to me when, when there was this link between uh, cannabinoids and, and you know, heart events and the vaccine. And it's something that just wholly is being buried either on media or is just not being discussed uh, enough. Um, but it has, you know, even has a name, you know what I mean? And, and when I talked to Kevin about this earlier today, he was immediately, you know, all, all about it, so we're, we're gonna hopefully have him joining us here in a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, it seems like in all five people that I personally have talked to or secondhand talked to um, uh, one or the other, um, uh, I personally have spoken to two of them in person or on the phone, uh, the other three we've spoken through uh, people that he's found, um, uh, 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 are uh, people that, um, again, directly linked to people that were infected, then got the Moderna vaccine, and we're cannabis smokers. That seems to be the combo that seems to be getting people into issues. Uh, but not everyone is, you know. There's lots of people that have posted on Instagram and on Facebook today that they got the vaccine and didn't have issues, you know. But there certainly are for some people, and it seems to be that small segment of people that meet that kind of weird set of uh, criteria. Yeah, um, like I
1: said, both of the doctors that I talked to said they had seen it before, but everybody that they had seen it in was, it was all these older people. You know, at least 40 to 50 years old or older, they'd never seen anybody my age be affected by something like that. And I I don't have an explanation for it. I mean, I don't know. And I mean, I haven't haven't got to talk to anybody that actually seems like they really know either. So hopefully, heaven you know, can kind of shed some light on what's going on because I feel like people need to know. And I feel like maybe more of the doctors need to know. But they can tell you that it's happening, but they can't tell you why. And to me, I just, that doesn't sit right with me. It's, it's like, like I said, my whole life's been completely changed there's really nothing I can do about it that I know of. But uh my, my wife here, she uh she even got the same vaccine I got at the same time and she wasn't affected by anything. I mean she still smokes every day. So I don't
0: I don't know start a little bit louder or a little bit. Like, you know, we'll a um, uh, uh, yeah, so, so tell us a little bit about what happened when you, why um, don't you walk, uh, because you were starting to tell me about it and I had to kind of stop it because you were you were very much uh, telling me. So walk us through what happened that day and, and kind of, uh, you know, how you figured out that cannabis was uh, was causing it really afterwards. Well,
1: like I said, after the first time, Um, I thought I would try it again just to make sure that's, you know, what it was because I had gotten, I I work at a dispensary, so we get samples of things. Um, I had gotten a sample of something that I found to not be what the guy was claiming it was. What he had done is he he had actually taken somebody else's container. And testing and just slapped his own label over the top of it same strain and everything just not what it was not what it was originally so at first you know i was thinking that maybe he just had some residuals or something like that left over maybe uh he had dirty my like, neem oil in his product or i don't know but then like i said i even I even smoked stuff that I was used to smoking. I smoked stuff that I already had at the house. And it it did the same thing. And then I tried taking some edibles. Same thing. Honestly, the edibles hit me worse than smoking concentrates. It, It took a little bit longer. It wasn't like immediate because I had taken an edible and then all of us from work, we had went out to eat. I sat through the whole dinner and everything was perfectly fine. It was when we got ready to leave that it hit me and it just, my heart started pounding again. I felt really weak. I was really shaky. And I just, I told her, I said, we're going to have to go back to the hospital. So we did. And same thing. They, they just told me it was another panic attack. I didn't, I didn't bother. I've had yeah, panic you, you attacks.
0: Don't, you before. don't go from dabbing like half a gram to a gram a day and then having that type of panic attacks. I mean, that's just bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I
1: I don't know how to explain it. I'm, I just I just wanna know what's wrong and if it's ever gonna go back to normal. Yeah.
0: Well hopefully, uh hopefully we'll have some insight on that here in a little bit. Um uh, so um, uh, what else, I guess, have you learned in that time? Uh, you know, you said you had talked to some of the people and some of the people close. What were they saying?
1: I've been, honestly, I've just been reading, like, forums for people with heart conditions and uh, just kind of seeing how they live, what they do, what they eat. Because I was used to doing what I wanted. You know, I was used to, if I wanted to go eat a hamburger or, Eat three hamburgers in one day, I could do that. Was it healthy? No. But now I actually have to watch everything I eat because I've read that there are certain foods that can, you know, make your heart, re- heart rate faster, raise your blood pressure, blah, 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 all that. So I've been trying to really work on that. Uh, trying to eat more, I guess, heart healthy foods. And really just been trying to figure out what I can do to live a somewhat normal life I guess without having to uh, without having to worry about being in pain I mean because I, I don't know how to explain it but I'm almost I'm almost scared to try smoking again because I mean that I've been through some pain in my life but that hurt I mean, I really thought that my heart was just going to jump out of my chest. I mean, it it really hurt. And it just, the last time I smoked, it had me down for three days. Like, I couldn't eat. I couldn't hardly sleep. It was just, I felt terrible. And I I don't want to feel that way. So that's why I've been trying to kind of, do better things, and the last time I went and seen my doctor, the only thing he could really suggest was that I be more active, that I need to lose weight. And but this whole time, what, what confuses me is this whole time he's been telling me he was like, The, the cannabis shouldn't have any effect on you. If you want to smoke, you can smoke. You know? I tried it, and it does the same thing every single time, and I told him that. He, he can't find a reason why it would be doing it. And I don't do
0: it. Oh, like yeah. I said, Kevin seemed to know right away that it was a, you know, am going to make sure I read it right, THC, uh, Tachycardia. Sorry, right, hold on. THC, Tachycardia, yeah, um, which is, again, seems to, Mysteriously uh, manifested itself um, in that scenario. So uh, again, something that if you have that specific set of circumstances, uh, maybe look at getting a different vaccine if you are going to get vaccinated. You know, steer clear of the Moderna one. Uh, maybe look at the Johnson Johnson and one of the other ones if that's something that you feel you need to do. Um, you know, me personally, I'm waiting until they actually have the science figured out completely, but. Uh, if I have to get it to travel internationally, then I'll probably look at the Johnson and Johnson. If I'm forced to, you know, at that point, business wise, I'd rather wait and let them figure it out personally. But um, that's just my personal opinion. I just think that in the time because of people like you, you know, I was actually pretty much at the point of where I pretty much went, okay, we've uh, had six months of a pretty good run, uh, but after a year it's like, okay, maybe maybe a little bit, or the very least, maybe I'm not gonna get one of the first or second gen ones. Maybe I'll get one of the newer ones that they've come out more recently. Uh, so that's that's the thing that uh, seems so scary to me and something that like, again, um, I personally know directly two different people, an investor and Aaron, that are having these exact same symptoms. Now, the other guy is only having it with concentrates, but he's having almost identical symptoms to Aaron uh, where he cannot—he has extreme heart uh, rate increase and, and spiked blood pressure from... And, uh, smoking concentrates, you can't even dab right now. So, you know, this is something that uh, needs to be studied. It uh, needs research and we got to figure out why and, and so that people don't, you know, accidentally make themselves sick. Um, and it certainly, you know, scared the shit out of me when I heard about it. I think a lot of people listening to this are, you know, heard about it. So, so tell us about kind of the, you kind of touched on it earlier, but you went through the doctors up in Colorado and in Oklahoma, two separate places. Um, where they, you know, did the full suite of trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with you, and neither one of them do it. What did they link it to? Where did they say? Um, the lady in Colorado that I saw,
1: she was actually the first one to mention to me, because right, right before I was getting ready to leave, you know, they had done two EKGs before I left. They checked my blood pressure three times, uh, done blood work, everything like that. Right when I was getting ready to leave, she come back in the room and she said, have you had your vaccination? And I said, yeah. And she looked at me and she was like, that's probably it. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, I've seen a couple of other people and after they were vaccinated, they had similar issues. She said, you're not the first person, especially being in Colorado. You know, and she was like, so what I would recommend Obviously, she told me to go see another doctor once I got home, but she said I would recommend giving it at least a month to kind of see, Let I guess, let that kind of run its, run its course, and then uh, she said I would try again. I haven't. Since all that, I have not smoked at all. I haven't even tried, and honestly, it's, it's not that bad, like sucks but it's not nearly as bad as thinking that something could really go wrong if I do you know so I, I think I'm just scared at this point but still it, what I did go through during that was enough for me to just not really care I don't know. so like I said I've, I've went and seen cardiologists and that's That's what he had said. He was like, uh, he said that actually one of his nurses at the clinic where I went had the same issue after she got the vaccine. She started having severe tachycardia. So, who knows, man? I mean, they've given me a diagnosis, but not an explanation. So, I don't know. I don't. That's what I'm hoping to find out. I mean, why did the vaccination affect me? But I know at least four other people that are heavy smokers that it didn't do anything. So that's that's been my number one question ever since it's happened.
0: Especially with uh, t- uh, Taylor's because you guys both have got infected at the same time. You both had... previously been infected, got the same vaccine, and I'm radically different effects.
1: Yeah, and like with her, man, she didn't get sick or anything even after the shot. With me, I felt worse the day after I got the shot than I did when we were when we were diagnosed with COVID. Like, when I had COVID, the only symptoms I really had were I lost taste and smell and it that like, very first day or two, I had, like, a really bad sinus. It felt like a sinus infection, and I was running a slight fever. After the first day or two, I felt fine. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have fever. I literally just had no taste or smell for about two weeks, and then I felt fine. And um wasn't bothered, didn't have any issues, was still smoking the whole time I had COVID. The only thing, it would hurt my throat a little bit when I smoked, but no issues like this. And then, like I said, after I got the first shot, I felt perfectly fine, was still smoking, still doing my podcast everything. And then uh, the second shot, it, it only took about three days. And after about that third day, like I said, I took probably a, a half gram dab and I, which wasn't out of the ordinary for me. And then I just, I felt terrible. I had I felt like I had no energy and I just started shaking and everything. And I, I don't know. I, it was just a feeling that I've never had before ever. And even though I, I'd actually seen the cardiologist that I'm seeing now. I'd seen seen him when I was a kid for a heart murmur, but everything had kind of run its course and went away. So I don't have like any previous heart conditions or anything like that. Like as far as he can tell from all my EKGs, uh, my stress tests and everything, like I have no issues. There's no clogged arteries or anything like that, you know, he, he said that as far as he could see from everything, my heart is just as healthy as it can be, but there's definitely something there that's not right, and now every time that I check it, except for today, today was kind of weird, every time I've checked my blood pressure since my last appointment about two and a half weeks ago, my blood pressure's been high, and today, when I checked it, it was, it was actually really good. And my pulse was only at 77, not 100. So something I'm doing has been making it go down. But there's no reason my resting heart rate should be over 100. I could understand if I was moving or running or something like that. But when I went to the doctor in Colorado, my resting heart rate was almost 120 and that's just ridiculous to me because i believe that the normal heart rate should be like between 60 and 100 no higher so that scared me and you know they they thought in colorado that the reason my blood pressure and everything was high was uh was just from elevation so i took that into you know, took that into consideration. And I thought maybe, okay, I could just be the elevation messing with me. But then when I got home and things didn't change, I knew it wasn't just the elevation messing with me at that point. My blood pressure was still high the last two times I went to the doctor. And I want to say it was like 141 over 84 or something like that. And then the last couple days when I've been checking it, it's been 150 over like 89 or some shit. And my heart rate's been anywhere from 98 to 101. But today, like I said, when I checked it, it was uh it was actually better. It was like 150 over 79. And my heart rate was 77 so I mean that that was actually really good I was actually really happy about that and all I know is that I just I would like to get back to my normal life you know, I know that I'll probably never be able to smoke like that again if I'm if I'm ever able to smoke concentrates ever again, but it would be nice to just be able to not have to worry about things like I was before. I mean, not have to worry about eating something or drinking something that, you know, is gonna make my heart just race for no reason. And I've kind of read up on some foods and even drinks that can do that
0: to you and there's not that many and we were talking about this a little bit before the show um my I was having some strange heart palpitations when I had COVID because we got uh we're pretty sure him and I got COVID at the same event that we were at uh, we were at a very uh, a private event uh I'll leave it at that it was a small private event it's like five or six people but uh, we were hanging out we, we made the stupid decision of, of sharing a blood and uh and it is what it is um but um uh you know that was definitely one of the, the side effects that i had was that when i was doing dabs uh, i certainly had some some heart issues there where my heart felt strained and i know that, that she would tell you there's two or three nights where i'd like lay down on the bed and just kind of like do some breathing exercises like uh, thankfully my uncle taught me about, about when I used, to, I used to do a lot of diving and freediving, in the summertime, I used to stay with my uncle in Florida I like, when I was a kid. And we used to do a lot of freediving. He taught me how to, um, you know, through breathing exercises, you can slow down your heart rate uh, through long breathing. Same thing, uh, another way to do it if you're trying to like figure this out and you're just like stressed out, um, disdredoos. That long rhythmic breathing of, of doing a redo will calm the living shit out of you and slow your heart rate down. Um, it is super healing for that too. So think about as if you were playing a redo during that type of, Long um, breathing exercises can help slow the heart rate down. If you're ever having a panic attack, or maybe you take too much of something that's speeding your heart rate up, or maybe you just get overly excited, or maybe you just had some like crazy, maybe you just, you know, hydroplaned or something and spun around a bunch and your, your heart rate's just going, uh, or, you know, some other thing like that, um, you can do those long rhythmic breathing exercises and it will help your slow your heart rate down quite a bit. Yes, and cats. We definitely have, in fact, there's one within vision. And there's a, a dog at my feet as well, so fur babies are, are definitely sad. good for stress.
1: I have a cat at the house, so she helps me. <laughs> um, but uh, uh,
0: uh, but yeah, definitely something that you know, even those that have COVID, or and there's other people in chat saying that they're, you know, they have long COVID, and afterwards, and they're having similar issues, and it's like, you know, all of you know, but why is it that the, you know, I'm not well, okay. Maybe that's a bad way to frame it, but like, there's a lot of overlap in symptoms here. Uh, that are all around COVID and COVID, um, uh, vac- uh, the vaccine with that same immune response, right? Like the vaccine's causing that, whatever that trigger is for that, it's very clearly causing that same problem as the, vac- as the actual disease is. So we got to figure out, and it, it's, again, it just needs to be like shown that, hey, this thing exists. Now we need to go research it so that we can figure out why and stop it, right? It's not about causing hysteria. It's not about being anti-vaccine. I think anyone that says everyone should get every vaccine is equally as stupid as everyone that gets no vaccines, right? You need to look at your own personal medical history and get the ones that make sense to you and avoid the ones that might cause you severe medical problems. And most people can get the majority of them. Let's just be honest. Whether or not that aligns with your personal beliefs is a separate issue. But when we're talking strictly about medical stuff, that, that's you know that's kind of where I travel too much internationally. I wish I had the option of. of going more of them personally just on my personal hippie beliefs but I get them because it's the responsible thing to do when I have to travel and if I want access to certain parts of the world tough titties that's what I have to do right so um, and just like he did he thought he had to have it for travel right he's here he is trying to do the right thing trying to be part of the, the bigger picture there and then he his whole life has changed you know he works at a, for a he's worked
2: in the cannabis industry for years now. We were, we were talking about that before the show. We were like, look, if the best thing that happens is someone diagnoses you with whatever the fuck is wrong and you find a solution and it ends up being, you know, on the 0.0001% chance somehow not related to that, great. You know what, I'm, I'd rather have that me look like a fucking retard uh, or idiot or whatever the current appropriate socially acceptable <laughs> term is um, uh, uh, rather than you suffer. Right at the end of the day, but there's a lot of evidence aiming at exactly the issue that you have, and it's backed up by quite a few people that uh, uh, have a lot of paperwork that we don't and letters in front of their name that we don't. So. And hopefully, uh, I guess I misunderstood and thought he was on Pacific. So if that's the case, then uh, um, I gotta message him in a minute. But um, anyways, uh, I guess he's on Pacific currently. Um, sorry, I'm trying to juggle a bunch of messages and moderate entirely too much social media on this topic tonight, um, more than I originally thought, or I would have had an additional moderator help me, um, I'll just be honest with you, so, um, yeah, but, uh, um, is there anything else maybe you want to, like, mention in regards to the first topic on on the vaccine and, and cannabis and, you know, that whole topic um, in general? Like, I, I, what advice would you have for people that are like, man, I don't know if I should get this, but, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot. If you don't want to answer that if question, If you don't fine. feel comfortable, don't do it.
3: If you're not a hundred percent sure that that's what you want to do, don't do it. And again, I'm not against vaccines, I'm vaccinated, my kid's vaccinated, my wife is vaccinated, like everybody, pretty much everybody I know is vaccinated. So it's not like I'm some anti-vaxxer, I'm just saying, do whatever feels right to you. Uh, If you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. Don't do it because somebody else tells you you should. Uh, Now, obviously, if you're traveling, you're probably going to have to make some tough decisions or you're not going to travel. But other than that, if you're doing just fine in your life and everything seems to be okay, I I personally wouldn't do it. If I could go back, I I wouldn't have done it because it, it
2: it wasn't necessary for me,
3: but you know,
2: uh, And, and I wanted to bring that up because there was recently a five month study done, um, by one of the CDC testing groups or one of the groups working with the CDC. It hasn't been fully published yet and peer reviewed, but it's in the process of being peer reviewed right now. But over 50,000 patients, the only people that got infected were people that got the vaccine. None of the people that were previously infected had a reinfection. To date, there's less than 30 people that have been confirmed reinfected after having previously been infected and all of them have been infected with radically different variants right around the exact same time. There has not been anyone document, as I heavily researched this for two hours before the show. date, and if someone wants to publish this in the comments and prove me wrong, please do. No one documented that was infected and had more than 60 days after infection, a secondary infection. I could not find any evidence of anyone that had been infected and then had that incubation period and the immune response and then a secondary strain infection. There's no documented evidence for that.
3: I felt I got COVID in February. Well, actually, January, because it ended right around the first of February. So from there until May, when I got my second shot, I felt perfectly fine. I didn't have any kind of side effects. I didn't have any, you know, I I was I didn't feel like I was at risk of being reinfected. And to tell you the truth, I I feel strongly that I I feel strongly that I personally didn't have COVID until I got tested um and the reason i feel that way i didn't have any symptoms of covid i nothing and then i got
2: um you got diagnosed two days after we went to that event it was that thursday and we were there on that tuesday and i went um
3: when i went to the doctor i went for a sinus infection it was the only thing i went for and it was just because i couldn't breathe like My nose was starting to, uh, uh, my nose was like starting to drain and everything. And I was getting real stuffy and it was just like mucus coming out. I went to the doctor. I wasn't running fever. I still had taste and smell. Um, I felt perfectly fine other than my nose and then, you know, the lady came in, she did the COVID test with me and she was, even the nurse that I talked to before they gave me the test, she, she even said, I think you just have a sinus infection, truly. They came in, they stuck that dill up my nose. And after that, you know it wasn't 30 minutes I started feeling like shit. I started to get like feverish and then I lost my taste and smell that night like I wholeheartedly believe I didn't have COVID until I got tested and I'm not usually one to buy into other people's conspiracy but I had seen and heard that people were saying that they were getting infected by um, tests that were already, that had the virus on, like on the tests. I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's one of the things I thought was possible because I, I didn't feel bad until after that. And when it hit me, it, it hit me hard. I mean, the first couple days anyway, after the first few days, I felt okay. It was just boring as up being in
2: the house for two weeks, but, I mean, I guess there are worse things. Yeah, I mean, you still are still are with us to have a podcast, so we're really grateful for that and everyone uh, still with us. So for, for those of you that don't know, my mother died of COVID in December, or December 13th of 2019. Um, we didn't know it was COVID at the time, but she caught a horrific uh, chest cold in the end of November, beginning of December. I'm not entirely sure when exactly on the timeline, um, but she had a horrific chest cold and was also had a cancer diagnosis when she was overweight. Um, but the cancer was not very far progressed. That was a very you know, two weeks after diagnosis. Um, but um, she passed away of a, a, a heart attack, basically from respiratory issues. Uh, and um, what we now think was covid uh, and you know one of the earliest uh, waves uh, and um you know so I, I fully understand what people go through with this and the vaccine and everything else in terms of losing loved ones maybe more than most people um hey there's the gentleman yeah her, her hey lot too. hey there kevin how's it going good how
4: are you can you guys hear me
2: i'm doing well um i'm super glad to have you on the show uh, uh for those of you that don't know at home uh, why don't you introduce yourself
4: uh hey kevin mckernan here um let me see if i can get my video started i'm thinking a little bit um i'm still catching up on the zoom here but uh, i do a lot of work in uh, medicinal genomics and on um, cannabis genetics and uh in the pcr field so i've been paying very close attention to all of this um covid mess that's going on because uh, there's certainly a lot of abuse of that platform being uh, put to play in this, uh, in this pandemic.
2: Yeah, so, so this is the gentleman I was telling you about who um, actually, uh, uh, well, uh, why don't you give him just a quick rundown and then I would love to hear Kevin's thoughts on this because I, I, I'm just dying to hear this.
3: So I got, uh, I got my last COVID shot the first day of May. A couple of days later, I was smoking just like normal. And I, I basically thought I was going to have a heart attack or that I was having a heart attack. And since then, every time that I've tried to smoke, it just, I can't. Like it, 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 My heart rate goes through the roof. Not like stroke level or anything, but um, my blood pressure is high. And since all of that, I've been to two doctors. Um, I've been put on beta blockers and blood pressure medication. But before all this, my blood pressure was never high. Like every That's something they've always commented on is that I've always had great blood pressure. And then now, even with my own bu- uh, blood pressure monitor that I have at home, Even now, still up until this week, uh, my blood pressure's in like stage one hypertension,
1: and
4: did uh, were any of the uh, physicians aware of the myocarditis um, findings that have been going? I mean, May's kind of um, early on this. Maybe maybe not all of them were up to speed on that, but the myocarditis. Instances have been have been rising. Uh, they've been seeing more and more of this. This is a heart inflammation that occurs post second, vac- you know, second injection of the vaccine.
3: Um, the cardiologist that I see, he did mention to me um, that he had seen this a couple of times. One of the times being with one of the nurses that actually works in his clinic, but he also did make the statement that every person he's seen has mostly been quite a bit older than me.
4: Yeah. That's the interesting thing is well. While, while the virus tends to hit the elderly, um, the adverse events, of the vaccine seem to be uh, not as age discriminating. It even seem like they might be worse in the youth. Um, and I don't understand that. Um, but the one thing, um, I, a good physician to follow on this. Uh, I'm not a cardiologist, so I'm, I'm, you know i i don't want to hand out any medical advice here so I, I would point you toward some of the work from um peter mccullough who's out of baylor and texas a m and he's been mentioning uh troponin levels should be checked if you've had any sign of cardio um you know heart issues post vaccination they want to look for troponin levels to see if there's um, any sign of of um of long-term inflammation on the heart like myocarditis or even pericarditis uh, which is inflammation of the lining of the heart Um, Now, THC could be an aggravator of this because THC has been known to to, um, uh, hit tachycardia. It can make your heart go faster. Uh, And so that, I would imagine, if you combine that with myocarditis, uh, it could be probably quite painful. Um, That's... uh, that that's something I, I would keep an eye on this because there are certainly cases of people with myocarditis and um, it it becomes chronic as opposed to acute and it can really scar the heart and you want to you want to make sure they they take it seriously and have a look at it. There, you know, my my only concern on this is is the whole. This whole vaccine has become so politicized and and factionalized that there are there seem to be people who are like you know either you're in or out of this type of vaccine club, and that's uh, unfortunately really damaging to medicine. Um, and uh, and some physicians may, maybe they're not uh, totally aware of this or want to or want to believe that the vaccines in fact do come with some risk now. These aren't traditional vaccines. So to, you know I don't think anyone should be feeling like they're getting any anti-vax guilt from these things. These are experimental, they're new. We've never done this before. They're messenger RNA vaccines. So should, no one should be feeling guilted out of, of, of shedding any type of questions or doubts on these vaccines. I think that's what you tend to get from a lot of people in the community is they're like, oh, you're anti-science if you question this. Uh, and I, I think you should just power right through that stuff because um, it, it's, it's not anti-science. We're doing science live right now, unfortunately, on, on, on human subjects, and it's really unfortunate. Um, that No one really knows the answer to this thing. I don't know the answer to this thing. All, all I do know is I've seen respectable doctors who don't seem to be captured by the system bring up these concerns, and, um, uh, and they tend to get censored. And that scares the hell out of me that we don't have a really good reporting system on this, uh, the, you know, if you ever bring up the VARES database, all the vaccine uh, advocates will just, you know, shit on it saying that's a horrible database, there's too many flaws to it, but they don't have an alternative right now. So it's, it's, you know, it's very difficult for people to make any statements that these things are totally safe, everyone take them, and then turn around and say the adverse report database we have sucks, And then that means you don't know that they're safe, right? We just don't have a good reporting system. And stories like yours, I think are really important to to get out there and to get to the physicians so we can get to the bottom of this. Uh, Information is what's gonna solve this, not not team A, team B kind of crap.
2: Absolutely, and and we actually started the episode with a disclaimer and said, hey, if you're gonna use try even attempt to use this episode to push your anti-vax bullshit, get the fuck up out of here. That is not the point of this episode. The, the, the point of this episode is to make help people make informed decisions based on their own personal health experiences so that they can decide if they have certain sets of criteria that might put them at additional risk of certain vaccines. Now, I have not seen some, I, all, I've, we've talked to five people that have similar conditions to Aaron, but he's talked to a couple, I've talked to two separate people firsthand. All of them had previously been infected with COVID and then gotten specifically the
4: moderna vaccine so okay.
2: with that being in mind maybe that's a- interesting
4: yeah the moderna so the moderna vaccine um is a it, it has more rna it's a 100 microgram shot instead of 30 uh and so um in theory it may be producing more spike protein and spike protein is um that there, there's work now out of japan where they look at the biodistribution of this thing traditional vaccines stay in your arm where you inject them and what they're finding with um, the biodistribution studies out of Japan, I'll have to find a link for you these things because the um, not all of this stuff is making it through the journals. So you have to take it with a grain of salt, but um, I usually look for a couple of the physicians that can qualify whether the data that we're finding is in fact real, but Peter McCullough has, has backed some of this work as well. But um, the, uh, the, bio, the biodistribution data on this is showing that the, the, the vaccine and the spike protein gets expressed and travels uh, it doesn't stay in your arm it gets to the spleen it gets to the ovaries the testes and a small amount of this goes into the blood-brain barrier they don't know if it's actually a meaningful amount um it's just detectable there and it's not detectable for a long period of time but this is new for us we don't vaccines traditionally don't do this uh so um it it i i think the myocarditis risks we have to pay very close attention to i i I, for one, did not take it because I have heart issues in our family as well. Uh, and I, I saw enough data on ivermectin and I saw enough data on the on the, the risk profile of this that I said, you know what, I've got enough vitamin D cooking in me, uh, I know there's some benefits for cannabinoids on this from what I've read. I've read about QCERTIN, I've read about HCQ. I just said, I think I'm comfortable prophylactically treating this. Uh, and if I get really sick, maybe I'll, uh, I'll have to roll over and do ivermectin or something. But uh, those don't seem to be having these these risks to the heart. Um, they're suppressed in the media. There's no doubt about that. Uh, they're, they're generics. There's a different monetary incentive around those things. So I think they've been buried because the vaccines have uh, a different financial um, reward going on with a, with the patent estate. Um, but the Moderna is interesting because that is a different that that is a higher load um, and. Uh, uh, but, you know, I have to say, from what I've read about the myocarditis drugs, it's not exclusive to any one of the vaccines. It seems like any one of the ones that produce bike proteins can have this, this effect. Uh, you might be unique in that you're seeing this with intersect with cannabinoid use. Um, I, you know, there's not a lot of that being discussed because it's so stigmatized that um, I, I, for one, am kind of curious if there's a way to run a poll in the cannabis industry if there was lower... Um, COVID infection risk. If, if, if people who are heavy cannabis users, or even light cannabis users, were they less susceptible to the virus? Because there's all this literature pouring out. I can, suggesting- t- I, I can tell you firsthand, him and
2: I, and actually his wife is sitting out of camera range, uh, all three of us were at multiple cannabis events in Oklahoma, and there was no attributed can- uh, COVID uh, cases attributed to any of those. And this was back in November, December, January, when it was supposed to be raging. And it, it, it either had completely gone through the area or the fact that there was so much cannabinoids. And in fact, if you go back and look at the Thailand study, Thailand did a whole study of all the plants that, and the bio uh, yeah, that, 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 that were, they're beneficial against COVID. The number one thing was uh, uh, canflavin B,
4: which is a flab- cannabisin B. Or can- was it canflavin or can I saw one on cannabisin uh, as well.
2: A or B, I don't remember which. I think, it yeah, was B. yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. That, that, that docked into, I think that was docking into like one of the um, proteases, right? It was some type of protease yeah. inhibitor.
2: Yes, yes, yes. It was stopping the replication. Um, yeah. Uh, 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 you could explain it better than I could. I, I'm fucking childish compared to your knowledge. Uh, uh, feel free to tell me I'm an idiot.
4: Well, no, no. I, if I remember that one correct, that was really early. It was almost a year ago and I was shocked at how that just went nowhere. <laughs> like, Here's a here's a thing that grows in the ground that might stop this and it's just crickets across the board in the media about, well, wait a minute, this is like anyone could grow. This is going to stop the pandemic. Uh, and that was a, actually a really interesting way to... to. Um, so the molecular, well, if I remember that correctly, there's a protease that actually takes the SARS proteins and clips it into pieces. So the SARS is really interesting in that it makes a really long peptide. And then afterwards is a protease that dices that thing up into smaller Lego pieces. And it's something that specifically inhibited that protease uh, which is a kind of a unique drug pathway that we're not seeing many other things tackle right now. But um, yeah, so I'm quite curious retrospectively if there's any way to sort out, was there a lower attack rate in the cannabis community because we all, you know, we have a we, this is a community that has a higher level of CBD. It's almost as if the, it's it's a community that's that's that probably isn't as vitamin D deficient either. Um, sure. there's the, a the host of things that I think this community was probably um, hoping um, uh, you know safer for because of this. And if there's any way we can kind of sort that out through uh, retrospective studies, that would be really fascinating.
2: Well I two questions just in follow-up to that one. Why does Mullen seem to stop progress of COVID in its tracks when you smoke it? Because I, I not only myself and my, my partner I live with, both of us, uh, her and I both, smoke, Mullen. As soon as we found out we were diagnosed with COVID, and it immediately within three hours started improving uh, uh, our situation. Um, that's what the Native Americans used against pneumonia. That's what a lot of, of, of you know traditional medicine has been used around wow. the world. Why Mullen is spread around the world not only for its antibiotic uh, topical properties, but it's it's smoked as an antibiotic. Um, but you can. Use I don't it know
4: anything it. about this. I you, you gotta send me some links. This is so fascinating. There's so.
2: There's a a lot of documentation
4: for its antibiotic use for the
2: topical, and and as the buds, as a steep um, solution for making salves, there's not a lot of documented evidence for lungs. But we give out, uh, anyone that's ever been around my orbit knows I give out of it. It's the plant on the side of the road that always has those giant yellow stalks. Holy shit, yeah, I've seen those. And you can use it as toilet paper if you're camping. It makes wonderful toilet paper. If you've never used it as toilet paper, it's great for wiping your ass.
4: Uh, It's a little invasive. uh, I don't know. I'll take your word for it.
2: It's slightly invasive, but the reason why it exists in North America, it's originally a European herb, but it's heavily used for as an antibiotic and when the white people came out west they would bring it with them as part of their medicine cabinet and they would plant it along the trails that they would use. The Native Americans very quickly realized that it was antibiotic and they would actually mix it with yarrow for their war paint so that when they went to war and they got shot with an arrow or cut with an axe they wouldn't get infected. Um, they, they very much wow. knew what was up with antibiotics in antibiotics in this plant. Uh, I had the, the, the luxury if you guys are ever in Colorado especially in Denver this gentleman named Andrew I can't remember his last name off the top of my head because it's a bit late in the day, but he runs the uh, Denver Herbal Survival classes if you go on on meetup.org.
4: Oh, wow, okay.
2: Most knowledgeable survival person in all of Oklahoma. He trained under Brazit Mars, the military, his native american ancestry and plant knowledge and then a a separate um survival school under um i can't remember the guy's name but he has four completely different uh sets of training and survival training and that man knows more than any other human being i've ever met sent me down
4: another like three week rabbit hole this is great uh
2: (laughs) under him and then teaching him some of the high altitude mushrooms that i knew that he did not and we and he allowed me to tag along on some of his classes um so so i'm, I'm really good friends with him and, and definitely a guy that i cannot recommend enough if you're in the colorado area to take his classes he's every, worth every dollar that you spend he also brings fresh homemade kombucha and a bunch of other really awesome uh, uh hippie foods with him every time he does classes so oh,
4: Super. very cool all right i'm gonna have to get get his name from you offline here just to um make sure i don't uh i don't miss out on that. i do go to i do to colorado quite a bit in fact i'm going out there in august to see um slightly stupid red rocks so I'm um,
2: super super jealous of all my friends picking porcinis right now for sure.
4: Yeah. Of- so do we what's the active ingredient in that thing? Is is there Have they
2: uh- I don't actually know the active ingredient but we dry I grow the plant in any garden I have. I have seeds and stuff like that. And then what you can do is you can take the, the buds. Uh, let me put the picture back up here. Um, you can take the buds and what you do is how you utilize the plant is a bunch of different ways you can utilize this plant. So let me pull up a full plant picture here. Okay. So I'm going to pull this up. All right, so the bottom part of the plant, you're going to harvest the leaves from the bottom going up to the top. You're going to dry them and smoke them. That's going to be like your antibiotic uh, respiratory sinus. um, Anything in the mouth, sinuses, lungs, Uh, you smoke it like you would weed, it'll heal you if it's antibiotic. It also helps reduce inflammation. If you have a secondary viral infection, it'll just help reduce the craziness going on, reduce the phlegm, uh, while also being a bronchodilator and being a uh, expectorant. So it helps kick everything out, helps dilate everything, it helps you breathe again. And you can actually use it for a mild. And I'm not. This isn't medical advice, but I have had previously other people use it for, uh, that I know, um, use it for treating mild um, uh, asthma attacks as well yeah. for dilating the lungs. Um, So it works really well for that. You can also pick the buds off the top of this before they open. Like, so if you took them from here up and you put them into jars and you steep them in sunflower oil or coconut oil, um, you can extract the oil after three to six months and create a heavily antibiotic salve that is uh, incredibly powerful. Um, So definitely something to, to think about you're growing in your garden. And then just something that has incredibly incredible properties. You can also make a polis of it, mix it with some Arnica, and it's, it's good for just about any skin infection.
4: So you, you, your experience with this is, is you got your you're PCR positive for, for COVID-19 um, or SARS-CoV-2, right? And uh, you said in a few days after smoking this stuff, it, it all your symptoms subsided and it was gone? Oh, no, no, no. He, this, Mullen's totally unconnected to this. He, he's had been suffering since then and has not changed. Oh, 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 oh no, you're... I meant on your on your behalf. I'm assuming you, you were if you were already had it, you didn't need to get vaccinated.
2: No, yeah, no, no. So 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 yeah, yeah. Well that's my feelings of it, especially with all the evidence that supports that you don't you get the immune's the response. But with the uh, mullen, as soon as we started smoking it, immediately I could start to breathe better. And by two or three days later, my lungs were back to maybe scratchy, like I just walked through an attic or, or a basement, but yeah. n- not anything worse than that. You know what I mean? So I'm,
4: I'm, I'm curious on the other s- scenario um, with the tachycardia or the, 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 the putative myocarditis. We shouldn't call that because we don't know what it is. But um, does CBD give you a similar effect? Um, CBD has no. an effect on me. Neither has CBD. CBG, but, okay. Um, and have you been taking that? Because sometimes I, I find, um, maybe this is a personal anecdote, but I think I've, I think I've read this elsewhere too, that... Um, Ingestion through smoking is more, is more prone to give you tachycardia than an edible uh, with THC. And I, I don't know if that's true with uh, CBD or CBG, but I would imagine um, mo- most people tend to take those as an edible as opposed to smoking flour. But you, yeah, obviously where you guys are from, you can find CBG flour.
3: I, uh, I tried doing edibles probably the first week that all this had been going on and it did the same thing.
4: Do you know of other folks that are having the same experience? Uh, like, Because po- I've heard of people post-vaccination now uh, where they get horribly hung over with just one drink. Yeah, so, so we've, um,
2: we've had five people that we've found. I, I personally, him and then one of my investors on a separate cannabis company that I work with also is almost identical symptoms to him, except he can smoke joints, but he can't smoke concentrates at all anymore. If he smokes concentrates, he has almost identical symptoms to him. That's how I figured out what was wrong with him because it was like, okay. dude, I, I spoke to someone 40 hours ago it has the same symptoms as you. Uh, 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 but, uh, and then he's found a couple of other people that have the almost identical symptoms to him.
3: The people that I know were just people that the doctors that I've talked to have diagnosed with a similar issue. So I don't yeah. personally yeah. know them, but I've heard, you know, what their symptoms were. and it all starts with the vaccine. That's the yeah. that's the one common factor between all is that you know, they may not even smoke cannabis, but the common factor in it is yes, they they started having heart problems after getting the vaccine.
2: There's a there's a question in chat, Kevin, just to follow up with that exact thing. Uh uh uh, is it possible that latent COVID side effects are, um, along with the introduction of the spike proteins from the vaccine in combination could be the issue?
4: Well, what's really weird about this is I, there are all these really interesting papers on um, the SAB binding domain in the spike. So um, SAB stands for Staphylococcus enterotoxin. It's a super antigenic peptide that's normally found in staph. Um, But there's a short sequence of this in the spike protein that they think is responsible for a lot of the cytokine storms. Interestingly enough, there is a gentleman with the, I think it's for the author's name is Mohammed. There's probably five or six papers from this this gentleman on using THC to stop that cytokine storm dead in its tracks. Uh, And they specifically will take things like SAB and they even studied this in SAB in spike protein from SARS-CoV-2, throw it into animal models. The mice die, 100% of the mice die Without this, and they put THC in, and then bang. Now, I don't want to scare anybody because the they're putting this in at really insane concentrations, and, the, and, it's, and it's it's a different scenario than what's going on with the vax, right? But it's just as a model. It's an interesting study that these cytokine storms that get thrown up by by this in some rare subpopulation of the patients, because obviously there's been hundreds of millions of these vaccines given, and not everyone's having these issues. So we're talking about a really rare a rare instance. Um, in your case, it sounds like you've got a lot a lot more. Um, the numbers might be higher than rare, but um, sorry my screen just messed up here no worries. Uh, we're just sorry, I hit my keyboard um but the uh, uh where was it oh yeah so anyway they're just interesting studies because they show that thc has some effect on this and it inhibits it so the the cytokine storm thing the cannabinoids seem to be a very good thing for um you can also go and google up now a handful of papers on on cbd and thc and the use of cannabinoids in this and they they have you know varying properties from anti-inflammatory properties to prevent these cytokine storms to stopping the viral replication. Um, but you know this one thing of tachycardia with THC might actually be really counterindicated with anyone who's having a, like a myocarditis issue. I mean that's the only thing I could I could you know pin it on but you know I, I'm not a cardiologist, I'm not a physician. I, I'm just like trying to connect dots from all the papers I read about this stuff. Um, and, and in general I've, I felt very, confident through this whole COVID thing that the cannabis community would be probably the, the luckiest bunch there is because of, of all this evidence that the cannabinoids seem to work so well at damping down the inflammation. But this is kind of out of left field. I didn't expect this. This is something that's worth, I think, putting a lot more scrutiny on because tachycardia has been documented with THC. There's, I've, I've, I've had it myself. I mean, I, don't, I tend to want usually more balanced strains because I do have heart issues and, I, and, and tachycardia is not something that's really oh. pleasant.
2: So, so here's a, let me layer something onto that that you may or may not be aware of. So I did a bunch of work around how to exploit um, jam, uh, chemically jamming a crowbar in your CB1 receptor and then ramming more cannabinoids through there until it wants to process it. So we figured out a couple of different proprietary solutions to that problem on both the CB1 and CB2 receptor that allowed me to put 10 to 20 milligrams into people and make them forget what their name is, right? Really small (laughs) doses. Uh, I did it to myself, just to preface this, is to tell you how little, how much I believe in my own science on this. I took 20 milligrams when I got to a gas station, we all dosed except for the driver, okay? Because we still had to get there, obviously. and uh, I walked, I, I dosed my 20 milligrams under my tongue with a sublingual and then walked into the gas station, forgot why I was there. then went, oh yeah, I went to get beer, walked up to the, the case, forgot again, while <laughs> I, uh, figured out why I was there, grabbed two cases, walked like one step out the door and went, oh, I got to pay for this. Walked back in, apologized profusely, paid for it. <laughs> Walked well, back out. I couldn't remember how I got there, where I was, what my Easy. own name was after taking 20 milligrams less than five minutes later. What, what, right? what did
4: you do to juice out the THC? Did you put put it in some other carrier? or put it in a sublingual
2: with a carrier that delivers it very fast. Um okay. some, of my, some of my magic that I do for all my beverages and sublinguals that I do for my own tech. Um, I'm happy to talk about that with you yeah, all. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, But that's the type of stuff where I, I would love to see that type of tech, uh, but one of the side effects, long story short, one of the side effects that we found was in 15 plus minus percent of the population, when you hit people that fast with THC, you break the speed limit. And by break the speed limit, I mean they suddenly have a cardiac thing where their heart rate is, is faster. Now, if you take that same patient and you give them a dab or a bong rip, Okay, or a hit off a steamroller? They have the coughing and the biomechanical association with that intake of that chemical. Okay, so it's not mentally panicking to have an incre- a change in heart rate because you have coughing, you have that, that right, right biomechanical process. If I put something under my tongue and a couple minutes later my heart rate changes, that freaks people the fuck out. Yeah, and it's not because something's wrong. It just it's the same exact effect as coughing or having that intake experience where that suddenly is getting into you, right? So it's the same experience, but you don't have that biomechanical association. So it's panic inducing because you don't have that physical association with the event, uh, even though it's subconscious. So that, that, that also has been something where we had to kind of dial back the bioavailability to bring it below that, what we called speed limit internally. Uh, to to bring it back into that comfort zone for most patients you know to get rid of that 15 you know portion of the population that was like whoa too much
4: so yeah you know. know i mean the only thing I, I can imagine um that might help this obviously seeking you know talking to some cardiologists about the myocarditis and what and what they have for that but uh, all these other recipes I've been hearing that people have been using for, for COVID symptoms um, probably should apply to if there's any post vaccine dress because they are putting in a spike protein, which is I think the most, um, the, is the most damaging part of the virus. That's what's in the vaccine is they, they're, they're loading you up with that so your immune system sees that next time and never, and never suffers from it. But um, I, I've been reading all of these other nutraceutical things that seem to help with this. I've seen things from in the vitamin D front that are really promising. I've seen. There's some really interesting work actually on psilocybin in this area. Um, not, not directly to SARS, but to, to there, there is fluoxetine in SARS, A lot, there's like five papers out on using an SSRI to knock out SARS, it like stops the replication. They think it's related to the uh, DOPA decarboxylase, which is this gene that gets co-expressed with ACE2 receptors, and that's involved in serotonin. But there's studies now in New England Journal of Medicine and other places that fluoxetine uh, is is knocking out SARS replication. Um, well, uh, anyone in the mushroom space knows that psilocybin is a, a safer alternative to, to these SSRIs, and um, that may play some role in uh, in what's going on with um, recovery on this. It certainly seems to be playing a role in preventing people getting really sick from it, so I would assume that if there's any chronic um, uh Symptoms of this post-vaccination, then maybe the same things that are used to treat the symptoms of the virus are going to be a play with um, some of the long effects on this uh, on the vaccine. But
2: it's really bizarre just, just to touch on that because this is eye-opening to me. All of a sudden, there's a lot of issues with cannabinoids and SSRIs, and the fact that this all lines up in that same kind of space is is very much you know strange for sure.
4: Yeah, I, have you seen the same things with so SSRIs? Um, they have they're a slightly different way to change uh, serotonin levels, right? They 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 they're inhibitors of the reuptake, uh, so that you get more serotonin in the cleft. Whereas psilocybin is actually an agonist that mimics it, and you're not you're not messing with the reuptake of it. Um, so they I want do you do you see the same kind of pathophysiology though? With I, I don't hear that many um, folks who mix cannabinoids and mushrooms report too many problems, other than maybe having too much of both, but. Um, yeah, but i have heard what you just said which is that sometimes when people are mixing ssris with cannabis there are you know panic attacks or other things that
2: yeah everyone but, i ever know that's had a meltdown on ssris it was right after they smoked or dabbed like uh, it's, it's that combo of the two that like sets them off into this other space
4: yeah um, yeah
2: it's too much or whatever you know i don't i don't know exactly what's going on but it seems to be very much a not positive experience, for sure.
4: And, and they usually take a very long time for them to be affected The SSRIs. It's like, it's not like you can take them and feel them in an hour like you can with psilocybin. It's like, oh, you got to be on this for a couple of weeks for your receptors to all reset them themselves, which to me is a, a much more uh, invasive approach.
2: On a, on a separate note, just on a, since we're touching on genomics of, of, of these types of things, um, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about, you, you publish a lot of amazing stuff down the psilocybin genomic space. <laughs>
4: Lately. Oh, yeah. Oh, so recently we um, uh, we did, uh, in, in, in uh, collaboration with Oregon CBD, we got a nice reference done for this genome. So, uh, many years ago, like in 2016, I actually sequenced this with an Illumina sequencer. It's a short read sequencer. But my father was really sick with cancer at the time, and I was just nervous putting my name to it. Uh, that, that's when I discovered it was almost impossible to publish a genome without a name. <laughs> which is unfortunate. I really think there, there should be uh, it should be encouraged. There should be no uh, authorless genomes would be wonderful. Um, but uh, so it, it kind of languished there for a while. Um, I, I just couldn't risk having uh, that attention on me at the time. Cause I was growing cannabis at the time for my father. I, I, he's since passed and those days are gone, but um, the, uh, I've since taken a re interest in this, uh, and uh, some others actually did a really good job publishing on this. They, they and I think in 2018, I think Reynolds and Frick, um, Hoff, I think Hoffmeister's group, a bunch of folks, Jason Slot's group, a lot of folks have been contributing to sequencing these things. Uh, they sequenced uh, Cubensis, and I think there's been some uh, cyanosens that have been sequenced as well but they're all been done with really short reads, which means the genomes are kind of busted up into a lot of pieces. They're only like 50,000 letters long, the contig length. So they're, so they're, in, they're in hundreds to thousands of pieces. So we hit this with PacBio, with these new long read sequencers, and now the genome's in a nice 32 contig set. Uh, we've, we can see the telomeres on, the, on some of the contigs. We have some chromosomes that look like they're sequenced perfectly from tip to tip. Um, so that's acted as a really nice reference for us. We did that one on the penis envy, um strain. Uh, and then we've been able to go and collect spores. We, we can't do any RNAC because we can't really grow any tissue. The issue right now with where we are in mass is we can only handle spores and DNA because that stuff is legal, but the tissue is where you start getting into heat. So, uh, But we can sequence shitloads of spores, and we did that. We sequenced 81 different genomes uh, and now have a, a preprint that shows Um, A lot of interesting findings in this. It's still not peer-reviewed, so I'll I'll speak cautiously about this, but the going theory in the past has been that there's a psilocybin synthesis cluster that contains five to ten genes in it, um, and it's it's compact, and it's 20,000 letters long, and this thing horizontally gene transfers around different mushrooms. Um, What's been interesting is there are some outliers to that theory. Um, One is in uh, Massopora, which is in this Fungus that infects cicadas and makes them hallucinate, <laughs> um, and this is this one's been on the news quite a bit because the cicadas are out this year, um, and that's path, that pathway seems a bit different. And we've noticed in a couple other of their, the mushrooms, the uh, Psilocybe tampanensis and the Galindois, and which I, uh, I think we did Zyrusens as well they don't seem to have these discrete clustered pathways. There's another pathway in those. Um, So the the mushrooms have figured out many different ways to skin the psilocybin cat. And um, that's helping us understand which one of these gene sets are involved in maybe altering the the chemical profile. So just like cannabis, these things have an entourage effect. They make psilocybin, they make psilocin, they make origination, they make uh, baocysteine, nor baocysteine, nor psilocin, so there's a whole portfolio that these things make. And then there's all these monoamine oxidase inhibitors that alter the way your, your liver metabolizes these things. So there's a lot to unravel there. And what we're trying to do is sort out what variants in that pathway are predicting the, the, the chemical expression, much like some of the work we've done in the cannabis space on, on THC and CBD genetics. So um, it's a little earlier than it is in the cannabis area, but um, it, these are much easier to sequence. We can sequence dozens of these things at a time and, and get um, a hell of a lot more um they're they're not nearly as as, as complicated as the cannabis genome so i I think we're going to see that field advance very quickly in terms of associating which mutations in those genomes are predictive of like the mushrooms that make a lot of biocysteine or mushrooms that that have really high psilocybin expression um
2: a question so could we stack those and make unbelievably potent biochemically diverse psilocybin mushrooms
4: I think there's probably going to be a way to, um, without a doubt, um, do some directed
2: breeding on them. Is there a stabilized, like, a colon to a polyploidy or something in the mushroom world? Like, I, I honestly know fuck all about fungal genomics, and I know that they're incredibly different than plants, so...
4: Yeah, so they, they tend to have like maybe 10 to 14 chromosomes. Um, they're not nearly as repetitive, they're like 45 million bases, not 800 or 900 million bases in size. So the repeat content is much more manageable. The genomes are, are much easier to do gene prediction on and, and everything's easier in, in, in fungi from a genomics standpoint. Um, now, is there polyploidy? That's a good question. I, I've not seen a lot of that in the literature yet, but I'm still very new to this literature space. So it could be out there. Um, genetic engineering in it is certainly easier than it is in plants, but um, I'm not certain it'll... I, I don't think we've exhausted the, the, the crossing of these things. I think what tends to happen in that space is they're asexually propagated and people just tend to pick the biggest cap and, and get spore prints and, and, and repeat. Um, but uh, once I think we get a better understanding of which mushrooms have which desirable genes, we'll start crossing them to get the right clamp connections where these things start to share genetics. And then uh, we can really make some new uh, mushrooms. But what, what I think, what I found in the cannabis space is a lot more people know how to breed that because it's easier to breed than in the, I think in the fungal space, it takes a real special set of hands to know how to you know mate these things. They have, they have uh, we're still trying to figure out the mating types on these things. So cannabis is pretty easy. There's male and female. In fungi, you can have thousands of genders. Uh, or mating types uh and so they don't always mate together so sometimes crossing them is is uh is a lot more of a lottery ticket where you gotta you know put different types of strains down and see which ones can actually make clamp connections and then follow that through so it's a little bit more laborious to do the mating i think in the fun in the fungi space and it's so easy to collect spores that i think most people are just going with asexual reproduction on these things so the diversity is much lower in the in that space at the moment and that um, there's not as many strains that you'll find at the banks. However, there are multiple different species that can make these things. So in many ways, um, while there's less variety to pick from at the spore banks, there's actually a broader genetic uh, distribution. Like in cannabis, we have just cannabis sativa and indica, and they're both, they're both least subspecies. But You don't see the cannabinoids outside of cannabis other than like maybe, um, I think trema or or Orientalis is the only other thing they found some of these cannabinoids being made in, right? But it's a very low concentrations. But um, you get into mushrooms and suddenly you start breaking species boundaries and there are many different species of mushrooms that make psilocybin. So uh, it's much broader in in that context. I don't know how well those different species cross, however. That's, I think, um, I don't think there's been as much work trying to get Xuricens to cross with Cubensis and, and how productive that is. One would think it's probably not very productive given they're different species, but uh, I, I'm always learning stuff from from fungal experts that I shouldn't assume what happens in plants is true there. Um, so I know it's an exciting field. I think there's a totally different genetic um, side of the coin there, and um, I don't yet really know where it's all going to go, but uh, we're figuring it's time to, to get those genetics nailed.
2: I know uh, Aaron had one more question for you before he's he's got to roll out here soon.
3: So with uh, with mushrooms and the condition that I'm in now, would I mean I know I know you're not a doctor, but do you think it would do you think it would harm
4: me? I it, I wouldn't go there on this. I'm, I was just throwing that out there, and that I I've seen these fluoxetine papers, and I've been really shocked because I never of that pathway playing a role in SARS, uh, it just it blew my mind, and I learned that actually from Peter McCullough at, at Baylor. He's he's been speaking about phylloxetine and how that was kind of one of these repurposed drugs that was a shocker. Um, I have no idea what that could be doing in terms of myocarditis risk, and I, I would honestly I would seek a uh, you know help from a cardiologist on that front because I don't, I don't want to be gambling with your health here. Um, I'm just really excited about that field, and I thought I I I throw it based on throw it out there based on some of the information that um you guys have been sharing on the, all these other medicinal plants i, I find also, it feel really fascinating
2: it's also hyper strain specific so if you don't really know a hundred percent what it is that you're getting you, you have no idea what it is the chemical makeup of that source right so i think that's probably like like aside from all of the medical stuff that he's talking about that's probably the biggest gamble like you have no idea what it is that you're
3: that's what i would that's kind of what i thought it's not it's
2: not like cannabis where you can send it off for a test
4: exactly yeah that that is true it's harder to get these things tested there's fewer labs i think there's one in oakland i've heard of hyphy labs i think that's doing some testing on these things uh and that's 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 a good point you know the the mushroom diversity is large and the um the the chemical expression shouldn't be assumed to be be just how many Inside. How many secondary <laughs> compounds
2: are present that are playing a role beyond psilocybin and psilocybin? I mean, certainly there's you have natural MAOI, MAOs, and, and yeah. all the other different compounds that are in there. So, do you want to touch on that? Just on how many? Well, MAOI? there's at least
4: six. So, I mean, there's origination, there's beocystin, there's norbeocystin, there is um, psilocin, norsilocin and psilocybin are really the the main the main ones that have been documented i'm sure there's other ones that a a real fungal expert will school me on um that knows things that are outside of that that are that that are probably shared in lion's mane and a lot of these other you know um you know beneficial compounds that they speak about in other mushrooms they could be there as well um but yeah and then there's the monoamine oxidase inhibitors which alter the metabolism of them so um yeah this is just uh that's just a field that I found to be extraordinarily fascinating, and I don't know how to intersect that with the, the cardiology risk that you have right now. I, I've not heard of people getting tachycardia on those things, but I've got no evidence to know that it's going to actually address any of the issues you have. That's, that's, well, that's more it's also not something that has a whole lot of uh, written-down documentation. No, <laughs> no, no, no. There's nothing published on that. <laughs> There's only published we're, – we're drawing strings here between fluoxetine and sars And isn't it fascinating that maybe mushrooms could solve this? But there's this is this is total tin hat. uh, You know, where does where does this actually play a role? Um, I I do think get see if you can get the troponin levels checked and talk to uh, take a look at some of Peter McCullough's work because he's been paying close attention to this myocarditis risk. And um, and and I wonder who else in the field is good on the cardiology front and the cannabinoids. Like um, he may not be as well versed on the tachycardia effects and cannabinoids, but you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe Dustin Sulak has kept up on this. I haven't, I haven't spoken to him in a while. He he may, he may have had, had some experience in this area. So, um, and I'll I'll check with Bonnie if she's seen anything as well. I know she's been, um, uh, she'd be another good voice to hear too, because I think she's been very pro vac- vaccine on this. And so she, I think she's paying some close attention uh, to that and, and may have some experience with, um, it's always good to get people that are for and against and just hear both sides, you know? They they all, there's so much data out there. There's like 800,000 papers that came out in SARS. No one person's read them all. So everyone's got an opinion that's different.
3: And see, that's, that's the thing I was telling Steven is like, the doctor that I see now, he's a good doctor, but I just feel like he doesn't, I feel like he doesn't know what caused it. I feel like he probably has an idea of what it is, but he has no way
4: of explaining to me why, and that's really yeah. what I figure out. I, I'll I'll send a note around to some of the. This is interesting. I'll will send a note to some of the the, the the other place we should probably ping this off of is the Society for Cannabis Clin- Clinicians. Now, some of these societies may be very apprehensive talking about vaccine side effects because it is one sure. Um, guaranteed way to get you deplatformed, and they're already on thin ice being cannabinoid physicians. So they, they, they may not want to um, entertain this very publicly, but they may um, have some, some experience with this uh, amongst their physicians and nurses and, and, and privately have something to share. So um, it's certainly something, I'm, I'm, t- I'm down into some of those networks and I can try and circulate this saying, hey, has anyone seen this? And um, is, is uh, you know, what, what, what are people doing about it?
3: Yeah, because I mean, it's not that the, I don't, it's not that I don't feel that the medicine works, but even with taking medicine every day, and not smoking, I'm still having, I guess we'll call it attacks, to where right, right. I feel my heart rate increasing when I'm not doing anything. Like I can be sitting still and my heart rate's just steadily going up.
4: So I'm, that sounds like that could be AFib too. I have AFib and I carry around one of these cardio um, things. Uh, it's like $99. They're probably cheaper now. They could be 50 bucks for all I know, but they're, um, uh, they're a device that you can put your thumbs on and it sings like Bluetooth to your phone and reads your EKGs. Uh, and I've found that to be really helpful that whenever I have my heart go out of rhythm, I can just tap that on and send it to my doctor and say, Hey, what's going on? Anything I, sh- anything I, sh- I-, I should be doing? I'm a- Usually it's pretty good at d- detecting whether you're in tachycardia, whether you're in bradycardia, whether you're having atrial fibrillation or ventral f- fibrillations uh, or VTAC. Um, so th- that- that is a- that's an interesting tool that might help um, uh, just capture more data on this. Uh, you know, you could be in a new space here. And so the more data you collect, the better. Uh, and that may help any of the physicians like kind of track this particularly if you can tie it to, like, whenever you're taking your meds, um, there there may be some, you know, s- s- cycles to this, whether it's in the morning or evening or, or t- you know, tied to dietary consumption. It's usually
3: – I usually notice it more in the evening than I do in the morning time. Um, but it's almost always when I'm not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm being yeah. – you are laying down that's really when I notice it the most
4: yeah right 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 well I'm sorry to hear that that's um there's there's there, there is some of that that's going around so it's good that you're getting the word out and um you know again I, I want to re-emphasize one here as well I'm not an anti-vax either my, my most of my family is vaccinated um we're you know we're taking our time on this uh this COVID one because we feel like many of our folks just had it and we don't believe you know, getting vaccinated on top of the, having natural immunity does anything. Um, and I myself have been just been staring, you know, sitting on on hold, watching the data very carefully because of my AFib situation. Uh, and you know, a, a, atrial fibrillation can lead to to clots, and so a lot of these things have had these reports of clots. So I've just been like, I think I'll you know take the ivermectin route if I get sick and wait it out. Um, you know, the, you know the good news is the virus is going seems to be attenuating. Um, most of the variants I’ve been reading about, they have higher transmissibility, but they have lo- lower virulence, and that’s what viruses do is they, they find a way to not impact the host as much so they can transmit it more easily. And then they become more and more benign, but they spread very quickly. Um, and that's what I think we're seeing with a lot of the variants that are coming out now is it's starting to get endemic and there's enough immunity out there um, from the vaccine plus from natural immunity that uh, it's going to be a very rare event. Um, and we'll see, I'm sure there'll be another wave in, this, in, the, in the fall, but it's going to be mostly a PCR hallucination. I think it will be very hard for us to see it translate into, um, into hospitalizations. And uh, so that, that's, you know, what's unknown right now is is, is spike vaccine that they, they, they're they only, I think what a lot of immunologists were hoping they do is not have a spike only vaccine. Uh, it's such a small component size of the virus that if it mutates around, it's easier to mutate around a spike only vax. If they have other proteins from the virus they'd have a more thorough vax that would be a little bit more durable like natural immunity, but they're gonna come up with probably boosters and stuff that deal with that. Um, so, uh, and who knows you, what, what could happen if you have the vaccine is you, that gives you enough of the protection that if you do get naturally hit, you may not have ever noticed it. And then you build natural immunity that way to the whole thing. Uh, and so I'm quite hopeful that that's actually what's gonna occur is that all of this, these scare tactics about the variants escaping the vaccine, I think are, 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 um, are just that they're the they're media kind of going nuts. But um, uh, if it really limits the symptoms next season many people who are vaccinated who have that partial protection are going to then get the virus itself and then build full protection against it off the natural one and probably not even notice it. Uh, so I think we're around the corner on this and it's going to be over um, shortly and there'll be less of this to worry about. But, you you know, the stories like yours, I think, are important to share because um, they are getting suppressed and other people are going to want to know about them. Uh, and it has a big impact in medicine because a lot of people rely on cannabinoids and um this is something that no one saw coming. I, I certainly didn't see it coming.
0: Yeah, me either.
3: Um, last question for you. So my my blood pressure monitor that I have, it actually has an irregular heart detection bill on it. Would that be similar to
4: what you're talking about? Um, I don't know off the hand if it has an EKG, but if, it's, if it says it's got, uh, that's what you wanna look for is whether it's got an EKG. Um, the one that uh, I have is a Cardia, K-A-R-D-I-A. You can get them at Amazon and I think they're like 59 bucks now and uh, they're well worth it. They work really well and they give you the information that you can email. Um, now, blood pressure is usually a cuff and I don't know if they always put um, EKGs inside the cuffs. That's, I've not seen that, but it's possible. Um, so that, 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 that's a, I, this, this device won't measure your blood pressure. It'll just measure your, um, your electrical you know rhythm effectively
3: okay yeah um that's that's pretty much everything i've got
2: um awesome well thanks for coming on do you want to, anything else you want to plug before you roll out no uh
3: thank you for everything thank you for your giving me at least the direction to go in
4: yeah check out check out peter mccullough's work uh, what other physicians are on this i'm trying to think through um Pierre Corey is an interesting one because he was on Brett Weinstein's cast recently. Um, he, you know, he knows a lot about ivermectin, but uh, the, um, the other gentleman, Dr. McCullough, he's like one of the world's leading cardiologists. So I think he's probably the best go-to guy on COVID and cardiology. Uh, he, he's got a, a really good head and he's not biased in that he's all vaccine or anti-vaccine he's he, he's he's open to monoclonal antibodies he's open to remdesivir he's open to dexamethasone he's open to hydroxychloroquine all of it he just wants to help people he doesn't care about which one of these things works but um he's certainly sensitized to the fact that this myocarditis thing is getting buried uh in for whatever reason and and uh so stories like yours uh he'll, he'll you know he'll, i'm sure he'll be more attentive to
2: Well, just to highlight the censorship, Facebook took down all but two of the posts that we made on this episode. Reddit took it down. We had, I posted it on four separate discords, two of which I have personal access to the admin logs and it mysteriously disappeared because it mentioned uh, COVID and problems. Um, And we worded it extremely lightly. Like we just said, hey, here's a gentleman who got the vaccine. He can't smoke cannabis anymore. Find out more once he comes on and see if it applies to you or not. It wasn't any type of scaremongering. There's no anti vax. Again, we prefaced the whole episode with hey, neither one of us are anti vax. I have probably more vaccines than most of the people listening to this show because I've traveled to South America and Africa.
4: Yeah, right? right. Yeah. You've traveled widely. So you're probably in the same boat, right? So I am far from an yeah, anti I had to get them all for research just to get in the labs. I've got i I've been, I'm a pincushion exactly
2: so uh, yeah so, so, so to call any of us on the show anti-vaxxers is just completely inaccurate so we're, none of us are anti-vaxxers just just to, to reiterate that one more time on the show because i'm sure this episode will attempt to be used to justify that type of behavior yes yes yeah. <laughs> but none of us also think that vaccines are blanketly jesus and incapable of harm which i think is equally yes. stupid um you have to look at your own personal health problems and figure out is this particular version right for me or do i need to look at other options and that's all we're saying
4: at they the polarized of- this discussion unfortunately because you don't talk about other medicine this way you don't talk about whether you're pro-antibiotic or anti-antibiotic you know you you talk about penicillin you know you talk about amoxicillin the same thing's true with vaccines you talk about mmr you talk about you know these these moderna things they're 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 all different biological entities and you cannot give them a hall pass just because they're in the vaccine camp. Uh, so um, yeah, it, it, you, you couldn't have said it better. And unfortunately, um, yeah, this you, you might need to get to on some one of those blockchain systems. I don't know if you have you tried Odyssey. Odyssey's like a. I think it runs on IPFS and it has some type of blockchain behind it that helps um, prevent these videos from getting taken down. I see, I see a lot of the folks that get censored off the other platforms end up over there. I'll be frankly honest with you.
2: I'm Let me turn the, the, the torch off.
4: I'm shocked
2: that we haven't been censored already by YouTube for this episode, period. Because yeah, I've watched yeah. other people try to do this episode or something similar and then be immediately after 15 minutes taken down
4: wow it's live like real time they they're listening
2: yeah no, that happened on discord earlier today in fact i posted on irie irie uh, rasta jeff's uh discord and on do grows and on my own and it was removed from all but one of the four servers i uploaded it to and why it
4: didn't do it to the other one i don't know yeah i i have the same thing going on i mean i found facebook and linkedin are horrible they they censor me all the time um Twitter's a little bit more open, but then there are these mobs of people on Twitter that are constantly reporting me to try and get me canceled. So I've got a cancel culture after me over there. Um, But but none of it, I mean, if anyone
2: sits down and talks to Aaron in person, like, it's pretty, like, and I knew Aaron long before any of this even was a, a, that's why I wanted to bring him on is because I worked with Aaron long before we were ever, um, sorry, long before this topic was ever a problem. So, um, you know, that's not the basis of our relationship in any way, shape, or form. You know, he's not invited on the show because of that. I knew him long before any of this happened, and I watched his life change and how much that scared the shit out of me. That's why I wanted him on the show, but it took us a while to line up schedules to get him on. That's why we're on a Tuesday show instead of a Thursday show today. Uh, I think a lot of people look at people like him and don't really take it seriously. But then at the same time, hearing from someone like yourself that has the type of deep background and then has also studied this specific virus for the better part of a year because of what the heck is going on. And then also some of those different stuff that you're personally working on um, helps bring a lot of legitimacy to the fact that this is a real situation. This is really happening. We do need to figure out why and then prevent other people from having the same experience that he did. It doesn't mean that you have to have some type of um you know zealotry or fervor around for or against or anything else we just need to figure out why it is that happened to him so we never happen again that that, and that's the whole
4: point and 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 are there genetic predispositions to these things i mean there's there's too much of this black and white like all or nothing you're either for it or against it when it's like we should be thinking about personalized medicine here everyone isn't getting myocarditis a fraction of people are i don't know the true number because the measuring tools suck right now but it's happening it's been documented we gotta understand why and who and how frequent. Uh, and uh, the only way we're gonna to get to that is is by getting some of these stories out and and, and, and collecting this because, uh, uh, you know, any really ardent vaccine person will, the first thing they'll tell you is you can't trust VAERS. It's like, okay, well then we gotta build something else. And, and maybe we're gonna crowdsource it through, through stories like this because, uh it's it's we're not just gonna blindly take all these things we've gotta we, we've got to actually study the biology that's that we're ethically obligated to do that given um you know what's going on so um that this is a, a and
2: thank a, you for being part of the medical community that's willing to have these type of conversations because so much of the medical community is not even willing to have this type of they're scared
4: thing. they're gonna get they're gonna get censored their
2: license taken it's crazy what's going on exactly and that, that's and that was the entire point in the whole episode is hey There are people that are getting sick from this but they they are very much a minority they they meet a very specific set of criteria and we've seen five separate people between aaron and myself that's that's enough for me personally to want to at the very least get the word out and the fact that i have never even heard that there's any type of even chance of cannabis allergy from this is insane considering the fact that i know someone personally that's having you know their life upside down because of
4: it yeah right? how so frequent it is i mean it's, it's a very frequently consumed drug so exactly this, this, this should this should be and there's enough vaccines out there this there should be enough numbers exactly um, so that, that, that's um that's a, it's a fair point well so let's see how far this thing goes before it gets uh cut deleted and 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 you know kicked into orbit
2: <laughs> well and my point is is that if you are experiencing similar symptoms to aaron you're not crazy they're real yeah and that is happening to you, and there might be a solution. And that's why we like to have people like Kevin on, because you know what? He gave Aaron a whole bunch of direction as to what is really going on with him, because the doctors he would previously been exposed to I had no fucking idea. At least he gives them some direction now. It's not medical advice, nor is anything on this podcast. Nothing is medical advice. I'm not a doctor. Um, we're not giving you medical advice in any way, shape, or form, just as a disclaimer. But, um, at least he has a direction to research now, because before tonight, Aaron didn't. I'm just to be straight with you. Like the fact that I even reached out to Kevin tonight gave him far more direction than he had before the beginning of the day when he woke up today. So uh, thank you, Kevin, so much for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you um, for taking the time to do this type of episode that is kind of controversial. Uh, I'm frankly shocked that we haven't been taken down from, from YouTube uh, uh, even trying to stream this. Um, but we'll re-upload it and we'll see what happens um i've never had to moderate uh as much of the chat as i have after making the initial hey this episode is happening post as i have for this episode today including the ones that uh, mentioned the p word uh phylos um even oh, though God. controversial as this one so um <clears throat> Uh, it really is kind of a, an interesting thing and something I, you know, frankly, I'm passionate about. I know someone that personally was an employee working under me that has had his life turned upside down, Aaron, when he was working under me when I was the farm manager at the farm he was at. Um, and for that type of personal connection to know him before and after, we got to bring this story out because it's not getting mentioned. It's not getting any airtime and it needs to be told because other people are experiencing it and they need to, to feel like,
4: you know, they're not crazy. They're going to get gaslit if, if, if we don't bring this back. Yeah. Exactly. So thanks so much for, for coming on. Cheers. Thank you as well. And uh, look forward to the next one. <laughs> take All care. Right. All right. Take care.
2: Thanks, everybody, for coming on the show. You can check out myself over at Growing with Fishes Podcast and Potent Ponics Podcast uh, on your favorite media outlet. Um, also please make sure you go subscribe to AP Meds. Um, uh, Marty is definitely uh having a heavy week this week. So uh show him some extra love this week. Um, not gonna share his business, but uh show him some love. That's all I gotta say. Thank you everybody for taking the time to listen to this podcast. You can find us SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, all the things. And uh, we'll see you guys again um, hopefully Thursday. I'm going to try.